In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Joy to the World is arguably one of the most beloved Christmas hymns of all time in the English language. It is a musical giant in the Christian world. It was written by an English clergyman named Isaac Watts in the year 1719, a real classic. So let's take a brief tour through this hymn, or rather just through one of the stanzas. Go ahead and open the hymnals that you have in the pews in front of you, 387. So hymn 387, that's where you find joy to the world. I just want to take a quick look at this hymn. The kids are going to sing it throughout the service, verse by verse, but I think it's good for all of us to take a look. All right, so looking just at the first two lines of the first two stanzas, what do you notice that both verses have in common? Not a rhetorical question this time. I do that a lot, but this time it's not. What do you notice in common with both of these stanzas? The word joy. They both start with the word joy. Joy to the world, joy to the earth. So joy is a funny thing. Joy isn't something that we always feel. Maybe we probably don't particularly feel joy when we look at the world around us, when we see all the hurts and wants and needs of the world around us. We all see empty spots at our Christmas tables year after year. And I'm sure that all the things happening in current events, wars, rumors of wars, economic hardship, division, all of that stuff kind of weighs on our hearts from time to time. And yet, here we are, told by Isaac Watts to sing Joy to the World. You can go ahead and close that. I'm reminded of a great poem that was later turned into a hymn by American author Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that goes like this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Later, Longfellow goes on, and in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Longfellow wrote this great American poem on Christmas Day in the year 1863 during our Civil War. Considering what Longfellow witnessed during the first few years of that conflict, these words in that stanza that I just recited are really unsurprising. But then later on, the poem takes another turn. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Longfellow's poem ends on a much happier note than what we had in that middle stanza that I read. It's forecasting the triumph of right over wrong, of peace over war, and goodwill over hatred. Now, unfortunately, even though he invokes God's name, Longfellow was not a Christian, and for him, 
these things triumphing are the ultimate good that he could look for in the world. But what happens when these things fail? Many believed that a few short decades later, after the American Civil War, a new era of progress and peace had dawned upon the world at the turn of the 20th century, only to see that dream come crashing down at the advent of the First World War. But Christians are offered a much greater and much more eternally lasting joy, the joy of Christ's reign as king over the world. Jesus is the source of joy for the Christian, not because the celebration of his birth gives us the warm and fuzzies, although it might do that, but because he is the king who comes to conquer death and sin for us. He is the one who causes the ends of the, er, the wars to ends to wars to end to the ends of the earth, and he shatters the bow, and he causes swords to be beaten into plowshares. He is the one who heals the sick and will raise the dead at his triumphant call on the last day. And for this, we turn to the third stanza of Joy to the World. You don't have to open this time because I'm going to read it. Isaac Watts writes, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. The sorrows that we see in the world around us are, in fact, a result of the reign of sin in our world, our rebellion against God. The thorns and thistles here are a reference to the curse brought upon us by Adam and Eve, our first parents, and their transgression in the Garden of Eden. But God isn't like a man who holds a grudge or wants to cancel us into oblivion. God comes to roll back the effects of sins, the effects of sorrows, the thorns and thistles of this life. As far as the thorns and thistles have come in our lives and in the world around us, Jesus comes that far in order to make his blessings flow. He comes to forgive our sins, not just by his word, but also by his work. Jesus takes the crown of thorns that was placed upon his head as he is the one who bears our sins upon the cross. This is the joy that Christ offers to people. The record of our sins is canceled, and we are given the promise of everlasting life with him. And this, dear friends in Christ, is not just for Christmas Eve, but it is offered to us each time we gather in this place around the word of Christ. Here is where the king's reign begins to go out into the world. Here is where our spirits are renewed with joy by forgiving our sins and promising us eternal life. Here is where he baptizes us and washes away all our sins and where he feeds us with his very body and blood in his supper. Here, in this place, is where our Lord brings joy. The joy of his presence with us in his word and in his sacraments even in the midst of our great sorrows and hardships of this life. 
For Jesus is truly our Emmanuel, our God with us. And so without further ado, the children will now present the hymn and the program, Joy to the World. In Jesus' name, amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. 